All right, we'll get started. Yeah, it's kind of like action, right? Action! Uh, good evening to everybody. Good evening to those who are online with us. Uh, we know, I know we have many out this evening who are not feeling well, so we're a little light here physically, but it's good to see those here, and again, good to see those who are online. Um, amongst everything going on, we know that God is good, right? That's, and all the time, God is good, and, and His goodness that we talked about on Sunday uh, I don't normally go back and listen to to the, my me- to the messages. I just don't. I just think it's kind of weird. But I just felt the Lord's presence so awesome on Sunday that I actually went back and I listened to it, and and I was blessed myself again. Um, it was uh, I, it, the Lord's goodness is just something that we can never get enough of. Amen. Um, we're going to continue our study tonight in First Peter, and we're in chapter two, verses thirteen through twenty-five. And I want to start with a question that if you want to answer, great. And if you don't want to answer, if you want to put it on the comment, Tom, keep an eye on the comments and, and let, let us know if anybody talks. Um, but I want, to, I want to ask tonight, how do you respond to the authorities in your life, even if they appear unjust, incompetent, or harsh? <laughs> yeah, like, like today. Like, how do you respond to those authorities today? No, today. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not when you were younger, but today. How, how, how do you, and there's, listen, we're being honest, right? It, it's difficult dealing with some of the authorities, some of the authority figures in, in the world today. Some you bite your tongue a lot? Some of them are difficult, but the Lord has Sure, sure. And that's kind of what we're going to get at tonight. Right? That's where we're kind of going with Peter, right? So, so tonight we're going to look at how the conduct of God's people uh, should be respectful people, you know, respecting the people in authority, right? And now, we're going to understand that there's a difference between respecting somebody and, and, and then being challenged in your morals, right? Being challenged in how you, you live, right? And we, we know kind of where this study is going to end up going, right? But, but at the end of the day, I think the Lord's, he's... Wanting us to respect, right? And love, which he's been teaching us to love everyone. Uh, those who we disagree with. Those that are that are enemies. Those that are completely on the other side of the political aisle or, or spiritual aisle for that matter. Um, God has called us to respect and to love because that's what he does, right? But then there comes a point in time when the authorities make a rule and it's going to challenge my belief. It's going to challenge my, my faith, Right, and and we have we've been lucky in America somewhat, right? We we're not in like other countries where you can't have a Bible in the public. You can't even mention the name of Jesus in public. We're still streaming on the internet, and they're not cutting that off. So so we still have some some hope here. We still have some freedom here. But there are some places they that you don't. So so what? How would you respond to the authority of not being able to gather for Bible study? That would be difficult. Right, and, and that's, I think I'm on the same page. I would get in trouble as well. I'd say, hey, you know what? If they're watching the church, everybody, let's go meet at, you know, my house, and, and we'll just go to the coffee bar or whatever it may be, you know? Um, I mean, these are things that, that we have to keep in our back pocket because it could happen one day. So the truth of the matter is, are you going to follow man's laws or God's laws? That's, that's the theme of tonight, right? And which law do you, do you stand? And where's that breaking point? Right? Where's that point where man's authority takes a back door to God's authority? Right? And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And, and maybe even over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be addressing one of the, the more debated and, and contested invitations and expectations of the Christian life. And it's basically a life of submission. Right? And in this week's passage, we, we, we'll see practical, you know, exhortations from Peter and how Christians are to relate to, to, to the authorities that are in place above us. And this week addresses political, the government, um, those, those places who are, and, and work authorities. And, and what's surprising about Peter's instruction is that it flies in the face of what we, we would expect or even want. You know, think about it this way. It was just a few decades earlier, you know, after he, you know, before he wrote this, this book that uh, Jesus had been crucified, you know. And in, then in Acts 12, a king put out a plan to arrest Peter and kill him. 
So Peter calls us to respect those in authority and, and invites us to see things from a different perspective, right? And that perspective is where, again, where our feet are stood on those, that cornerstone. That's the perspective we need to be seeing and, and be looking at from, from every angle, from everything we see. So if you have your Bibles, we're, we're at 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start on chapter, uh, verse 13, and we're going to go to 25. Uh, reading out of the New Living Translation this evening. So it says this, respecting people in authority. It says, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority whether the king as a head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that you, your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusation against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an exercise to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if, it, if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like a sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Um, I want to. I want. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to have you turn to Romans 13, and we're going to look at verses one through five here in a moment because these two portions of scriptures kind of fall in line with each other. Um, but but Christians are, are you know we we think is. Uh, as, a, as 21st century Americans, as 2021 Americans, uh, we, we may have it, find it difficultly, difficult with the concept of submission. You know, I love that portion of Scripture right there where Peter's talking about slaves, right? So, you know, we put that in context today. I'm not calling us, you know, slaves at work, but I mean, he's putting that you can put that in context of employees versus employers. So if the employer is just or unjust, God's telling you, do your job as unto the Lord, right? And, and, and it doesn't, you, you don't have to answer for him. You have to answer for you. And I love how Peter closes the scripture out. And I know I'm kind of going backwards here, but I just want to make sure that Christ is our example, right? Again, Christian means Christ-like, which means that I'm to respect authority. If you read the Gospels, he respected authority, right? He didn't always agree with him, right? Many a times he didn't. But he respected the authority. Because why? That's who God had in charge for that moment. For that specific position. Right? Um, now I know when you say that. And we talk about today's world we live in. You, you can say. What in the world's wrong with God then? Right? What, why does he have who he has. Or you know. In these positions. Well that's not for us to answer. You know what our answer is to do? submit right we're not submitting to the to the man right we're respecting the man we're obeying the laws of the land but we're submitting to god because ultimately it's his plan right god's plan is is exactly who's in there whether or not what we think or how he got there that's the man god has planned to be in the in the position or woman the position that they're in and so when we take this step back and we realize this is bigger than we can even imagine. This plan is already set in motion. It kind of makes things somewhat bearing, you know, you're able to deal with it a little bit better, right? But if you have your Bibles, Romans 13 um, and 5, 1 through 5 actually. And here's what Peter tells us, or excuse me, Paul tells us, right? 
um, the, the, the subject heading on this portion of Scripture is respect for authority. So it's pretty much just right in line with what Peter just told us. He says this in verse 1. Everyone, underline everyone, right? Or yeah, I mean, just keep a mental note of it. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by the voting process. No? no? Oh, okay. Uh, by God, right? So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Then do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid for they have power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment but also to keep a clear conscience. It's interesting, right? Because we could take that scripture and go, really? I mean, this is directly backwards from what the scripture says, right? It, they're, not, they're not helping the people that are doing good. They're helping the people that are doing bad, right? Politics is corrupt. Man is sinful, right? God still honors the positions, puts them in that position, gives them the choice to do the job correctly or not, Right? So it's not on God that they're corrupt or that they're doing things backwards. That's on them. God has positioned them to make the right choice. The problem is they have it. Right? And so we can see here, Christians understand what, what Romans 13, uh, they, I've heard this said this way, and I, when I read this note, I want to read this note because it made sense. It, this, this portion of scripture is kind of uh, understood kind of different ways. All Christians agree that we are to live at peace with the state as long as the state allows us to live by our religious conviction, convictions. Fair enough? We're all on the same page there. For hundreds of years, however, there have been at least three different interpretations of, of how we are to do this. And so here's, here's these three. The number one is, some Christians believe that the state is so corrupt that Christians should have little to do with it as possible. Although they should be good citizens as long as they can do without you know, do so without compromising their beliefs. They should not work for the government, vote in elections, or serve in the military. I don't agree with that. That's just me. I believe your vote counts, even today. We, we are blessed with an amazing nation where my voice still counts. Whether or not you believe that or not, I, that's, I'm, not I'm not here to debate that. The process, the, the, the nation I'm in, I have an opportunity to go check a box. Right? And I should be able to use the freedom that God has given me to do that. Now, if the person that I checked didn't win, that's the process, and, and that's why we live in this nation. No one comes up and says, I'm the, you know, dictates they're going to be the boss, right? We have a democracy in place. Um, if, I wanna, if someone wants to serve in the military, man, that's awesome. To fight for the freedom, I mean, I hold the utmost respect for anybody in the military that wants to serve, has served, um, because of them, I have the freedoms that I have today. If it wasn't for them, guess what? I probably wouldn't be standing here today. Right? Um, so, so I'm not a big fan of that interpretation personally. Number two is others believe that God has given you the state, given the state authority in certain areas and the church authority in, in certain areas. Uh, Christians can be loyal to both and can work for either. And this, this should not, however, confuse the two in this view. Church and state are concerned with two totally different spheres, the spiritual and the physical, and thus, you know, complement each other but don't work together. Um, I don't really see that myself either. I think, especially today, I don't think the church and state are, are working together much at all, right? Um, in fact, if anything, they're fighting against each other. You know, uh, but yet still others believe that Christians have a responsibility to make the state better, and, and they can do this politically by by voting in and, and putting in Christians, you know, or uh, at in, or high principal leaders, you know, like church leaders, get them involved in the government and the and and 
being able to change things. They can also do this morally by, by serving in their community. Um, you know, church and state, they, they, they may be able to work in that. You know, there's some very good Christian back, um, uh, what am I looking at, not businesses, but nonprofits that benefit the community, right? So they kind of work together there. Listen, none, none, of these, none of these views advocate rebelling against or refusing to obey the government or laws or regulations unless those laws clearly require you to violate your moral standards revealed by God. Right? So it doesn't matter where you stand on this scripture. It's pretty black and white that says, hey, respect the authority that God put into place until they start violating your law, the God's law. Right? Um... And we'll have some examples of that. You can find that in the scriptures. And, and wherever we find ourselves, we must be responsible citizens as well as responsible Christians. That's, make sure you take that home with you. We have the freedom and the opportunity to be responsible citizens of this great nation. But remember, we're just traveling through. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So we have even more of a responsibility to be a responsible Christian. Right? Um, so... We can kind of look at that. Is, is there ever a reason, and, and, and if you, we're going to go here in just a second to just talk about Daniel, if you know the book of Daniel, right? Is there ever a reason for Christians not to submit? So what if the, what if the government comes up and says, okay, um, no more prayer? Okay? No more gathering together in the churches. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Tom knows my heart, and many of you in this pl- in, that are watching me under my voice right now know my heart. Uh, I had a meeting with the pastor about two weeks ago, and, he, and we got into the conversation as if they locked down again, what, am I, what are we going to do? And I, I, didn't, I didn't miss a beat. I said, I'm never closing the church, locking the doors ever again. Never. I, I never will we close the doors of the church. That's the stupidest thing. Now, granted, let's, let me just back this up just a minute. When this all went down and the government came in and said, two weeks, we need two weeks, everything shut down because nobody knew what was going on. Right? There was complete pandemonium on every front. And I know there are churches that did not close. Each pastor had to make their decision upon the, the demographic of their congregation. Right? And our congregation, I just felt it was safe to say, okay, let's give them two weeks. Let's shut this thing down. We'll continue to have, we have the technology nowadays, right? And, and we continue to have church via online. The problem is we gave them more than two weeks. The problem is we gave them three months. The problem is, is in those three months, and, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but the church generally, as a whole, declined. Because it's pretty easy to sit at home on your couch with your slippers and your coffee in your hand and the dog licking, you know, giving you kisses and the kids running around and you're trying to do church, but you're not here. And I'm not amongst brothers and sisters where I can be lifted up. Thank you, Lord, for the technology that if I'm not feeling well, Tom can set me up and I can, I can watch online. Thank you, Lord, for the technology. But there's nothing like being in the house of the Lord. Gathered together, right? There's nothing like it. So, we're going to be put into a position, is the reason I'm getting this way, is we are going to get, and, and, and many of you know, that we, lit, we opened the door before they said to open the door. There were many churches that were still outside, right? Well, you're a rebel pastor. No, no, no. I was put in this position. We were put in this position. What you have to be wise, okay? We understood this was a true sickness. That not those who have had it or going through it, you know, it's a real thing. Yes, lives have been lost. I never, never have I said that this is not a real thing. And we put in, in, everything in place to be very wise and very smart. If you remember, you know, and we left it to the church whether or not you felt comfortable in gathering together. We never force nobody. Um, if you remember my exact words was, the door will be open and I'll be behind the pulpit. You're welcome to come if you want to. Right? And so that's where we will stand. If they come back to us and say, you're closing the doors, I'm giving you my word as your pastor, that door will be open. 
Okay? And it will be on you. It will be on each person. Right? Whether or not you feel safe to do so or not. This is what we're talking about. There are going to be times where we're going to be faced with a choice. Man's law or God's law. There were churches that, that, died, that closed their doors and never reopened them last year. And they're no longer a church. There were churches, this very church here, we, we, I had discussions with a couple of people, of, and you could feel the disconnect. Right? We see each other Wednesdays and we see each other on Sundays. There's a connection. We talk to each other throughout the week. And you take that away for a couple of months, and guess what? Out of sight, out of mind. Right? And so we can't, we can't do that to the body of Christ, especially. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that, there was. There was, a, there was uh, again, there was many church. There was, there, was there was a handful of churches that set them up. And, and, and you know what? I hold them, them in high regard. But again, with that statement, I say every pastor had to make the choice on their own congregation. Some had denominations that told them, hey, this is the way we're doing it. Some had an older generation of congregation, you know, older folk that were more susceptible to it. So you had to be very wise. You had to use wisdom in that. And we constantly have to use wisdom. Yes, ma'am. Sure. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so we've, we, we know we've already been tested. Right? Y you got us. All right. Apparently we weren't as ready as we thought we were. Okay? But what's the old saying? You fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Well, you, you, you ain't getting this guy two times. Right? But, uh, but I want to retract, and, and I don't mean to spend so much time on that, but there is a reason, there are times for Christians not to submit to the authorities. And you say it's, it's when it goes against God's word. When it goes against God's values, our moral standards, right and wrong, right? And, and Daniel was a prime example of someone who said, um, no, I'm going to go with God. Thanks. So what did he do, right? So he was, the, some cats were, they were jealous of him. And so they went to the king and they said, hey man, make up this prayer, the, the, this law that you, you're not allowed to pray, right? Because they were so jealous of, of Daniel and the success he was having and the, the king who loved him. And just the, the benefits that God, the favor of God that was upon his life. And so they went up to the king and they, they, they trickeredly, politically, right? Said, hey, king, make up this law so that everybody, you know, will, will focus on you. And so the king, not using wisdom, put the law in place. And what, what does the Bible say Daniel did right after the law got put in place? <laughs> He didn't keep the doors closed and the shades closed and go on the other side of his bed and hide. Right? He did what he did every night. He opened the window and he knelt and he prayed. Now was he being, was he being disrespectful? Was he being rude? No, he wasn't. Because you know what? That's what he did. That was his standard. That was his connection to God. And man was trying to come in and disrupt the connection that would connect him to God. Guess what? My God's priority in my life. If anything comes into my life to disconnect that, it loses. Or it should lose. Right. 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 Yep. He never lost respect for the king. Right. But he never lost respect from God for God, right? He understood the prior, He understood what the priorities was, right? And so, of course, the little spies, the little tattletales, right? They go and they see Daniel praying, and they go cry out to the king. He disobeyed, right? He disrespected you. You put this in place, and he disrespected you. And the king founds himself in a bad spot now. Right, because the Bible says that he loved David, he respected David, he 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 had no problems with David, but he found himself in a bad spot because he wrote this law up, and it would you know, sorry, you broke the law, and so he had to keep his end of the bargain. He had to he had to back the law that he had made, right, and so he grabs Daniel and he 
I think if, I don't remember the exact quote unquote, but it basically says, may your God be with you. Right? So he already knew it. Right? And he throws Daniel in the lion's den. My question would be, are we willing to be thrown in the lion's den for God's law? That's easy to say today. That's easy to say in these cushy seats in this nice warm church and, and, and nobody's pinching you, nobody's pulling you, nobody's ripping at you, punching at you, nobody's threatening your life. Today, if someone came in today and straight up said, which they will, by the way, in the very last days, denounce Christ or... Yeah. Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Sure. It, it definitely... It, it, our relationship with God should be set on, like we talked about last week, our feet should be planted on that cornerstone. That when everything shakes in this world, when your personal life is shaking, when, when the world's shaking, when the, everything in this entire... The, that you know is shaking, when you're standing upon the Word of God, when you're standing upon Christ, you're not shaking. Now, we're human. We deal with the flesh, right? We deal with fear. We deal with anxiety. We deal with stress. So these are very real things. So how do we overcome that? Well, you, you, you buckle down. Because if you, the Bible doesn't tell us. But I have to think, even though Daniel showed some boldness in this, I have to think the inside of his gut was like, this is going to hurt. <laughs> right? This is going to hurt for a minute before, before I finally lose consciousness because I have no arms, legs, and anything else. This is going to hurt. But I also know there was a side of him that said, like you just said, Lord, I'm coming. Right? Stephen did the same thing. Remember, Stephen was, was uh, preaching the gospel. They told him, shut up, shut up, shut up. He wouldn't shut up. They threw rocks at him. What did he do? Coming home. Are, are we, tonight, tonight, are we at that spot in our relationship with Christ? Are you willing to say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm following you. Even if I'm the only one and the crowd is on that side jeering at me and mocking me and, and the police are threatened to take my livelihood and my life, are you willing to say, God, I'm following you all the way. I'm, I'm following you. And not to be disrespectful to the government and the laws of the land. Thank God for the laws of the land. It's, it's, otherwise, can you imagine how this nation really would be? Right? I mean, it's already a nutty place. But thank God for the laws of the land. But when you come against what the law of God says and how I live my life according to the word of God, then I've got to break ground. I've got to break away from that. And when you break away from that, man gets angry. Man gets a little prideful. Who do you think you are that you cannot do what I told you to do? And so we've got to have that boldness, church. We've got to have that, that boldness to say, no matter what, I'm going to follow you, Lord. Um, and, and submit. So, you know, Peter uses that word submit to the authorities. And again, that, that word submit, we've kind of touched base on it tonight, is it's respecting. You hear a lot of people say, I don't respect the president, the office of president anymore for who's in that office. You respect the office, right? You respect the office. The president of the United States is one of the highest offices in the world today. It, it deserves our respect. It's because of that office that we're able to stand here today, right? And there, it, it, it's not the man per se, Right? And this isn't a political discussion or study. This is a, a where, does, where are we supposed to stand as Christians today? Whether there's a man of God in this president's house or there's a not man of God. That's beside the point. We respect what God has put in place. Right? The order of government. The, the, that and the other. And then you know what he also says? Pray for him. Well, we're really good to talk trash about him. When's the last time you prayed for him? Honestly, when has the last time that you prayed for President Biden and the Vice President? And I'm, being, I'm asking myself that question, right? When's the last time you prayed for the governor that you can't stand? They're people just like us, right? Is that true or not? And God loves them just like he loves you and I. The problem is, is that they've made a bad choice in not following God's law, right? 
And some of them got so high on their shorts that they don't, they've lost touch with, with reality. But that doesn't mean that we are supposed to lose respect. We've got to take this back from that position I talked about in the beginning of this where God ultimately you're in control of this. And, and we've talked about in the beginning of Peter, remember he, talk, he talked about choosing each one of us before even the foundation of the earth was. So guess what? He's chosen us to be here tonight. He's chosen us to be online tonight. He's chosen for this exact time so guess what? That means who's in the White House right now. That means who's in the governor's house right now. That means who's in the vice president's chair and, 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 and Congress and Senate. Guess what? God knew they'd be there. Right? We, we say we trust God. We, we believe God, right? He's got an ultimate purpose and plan. And for some of us, we're going, that's a stupid plan. <laughs> but, but that's where we say, Lord, your, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. They're higher than my ways. So, Lord, you, uh, you say to trust you in all of my ways. Lean not to my own understanding. And, and all my ways, right? So, when I want to bicker and moan, and trust me, there are plenty of times to bicker and moan about politics and, and the politicians and the lawmakers. Plenty of content, Right? But we need to be careful not to grumble and maybe tear them down because God is reaching to them just like he is with us. Right? I mean, it's about as black as white as we can make it. It's not easy to swallow because I know how some people feel about this side and some people about that side and, 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 and the division that is being... Who do you think is trying to cause a division? It ain't, it ain't the President of the United States, let me tell you that. It's Satan himself. It's the very gates of hell. And America has been a Christian nation. And the, the blessing, by God's blessing of America, we've been a blessing to the world. Now, we have not been a perfect nation. There ain't no such thing. But we have been a blessing to the world because of God's grace and his mercy. Right? And so we need to remember that ultimately it's because of God. And what's interesting is uh, in verse... Um, in verse, uh, let me see where I got my spot here. Sorry, I lost my spot here. What, what is, in verse uh, 16, he says, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. And then verse 17, he gives us four things, four things, uh, four commands that, that we are to be practical examples of how we can do this as Christians. You cannot do this in yourself. So right now, off the board, none of us in this room, none of us watching online, we can't do these things without God in our life, right? Without Christ as, as being the cornerstone. So what's those four things? It's, it's respect everyone. That's directly opposite of what they're preaching on the media today. Right? They're saying, if you got this, or you don't got this, hate each other. Disrespect that person because that person doesn't care. They didn't get this. And they, because they didn't get this, they, they don't care about people. Disrespect. And disrespect ends up to anger and hate and evil. Right? And so we as the church, the, the, the few of us here tonight, the ones that are online watching tonight, the ones who read this scripture, God is calling in 2021 this church to say, hey, I'm, I'm, needing, I'm needing some changes in my church. Because I think these things have even crept into the church. I think it's safe to say that. I believe politics have crept into the church. I believe fear has crept into the church. And we need to back this off and say, okay, you know what? Even, you see, even though you see something different than I see it, I respect you. You know how big of you you are? You know how pleased God is when you've taken your heart and, and as bad as you want to just tear that person up and be completely evil and disrespectful, but you turn around and you say, you know what, I disagree, but let's agree to disagree, and let's go get a cup of coffee. But the ones who are pushing division, you're throwing their eyes into a loop. They don't even know what to do with themselves, right? And so why don't we get that right, church? Why don't we be the ones to go, hey, let's start this. Let's, let's show this. Right? Let's show, how, let's show how to do this. So, so respect everyone. It doesn't say respect those you love. 
It doesn't even respect, it doesn't say respect those you know. What does it say? Respect everyone. You mean the person I can't stand and annoys me and won't shut up? Yeah, that person. Right? Well, what if they don't show me respect back? Well, then you leave them in the hands of God. Right? God will take, God will take care of you. Because the very next thing is what? Love the family of believers. So we respect everyone. So I've already got respect built into my heart. Now we put that love that we keep talking about every Sunday for the love of the believers. So I respect everyone, but I love this because it takes another level. Respect's here, but now I love. And I love the believers. I love my family. I love the ones that I can call at 2 o'clock in the morning and say, hey man, can you pray for me? I love, I love, I love my family. Right? Respect everyone, but love the family of believers. Love the church. Love those who are chosen. Those who have something in common with you. By the way, his name's Jesus. Right? And then what's he say? Fear God. Does that mean cower and oh? No, that means respect, revere, honor with everything inside you. Fear God. And then the final thing. After we've done these things, Lord, we've learned to respect everyone. We've learned to love the believers. We've learned to revere and honor and respect and fear God. And when we've done these things, guess what? He'll put in us that, fa- that final thing to respect the, respect the king. Respect the president. Respect the leader. Right? And, and we, have, we, have the, we have the freedom in Christ to do this, church. The problem is that the enemy doesn't want you to know that. Well, you're stuck in this situation, so this is just what you got. No, you know what? I believe with all of my heart that the church can lift and pray for our leaders, our government leaders, our president's leaders. Listen, I'm, God, God says this, nothing, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be 100% wrong, but he says this, nothing is impossible with me. Right? So if we pray for our president, we pray for our government leaders, we pray for those that we can't even stand, we pray for them honestly with love and respect, right? Lord, save them. Because they are going to burn in a real hell just like any one of our family members, just like we would have if we didn't get a hold of the cross. Just, just as if we didn't make the choice to follow Christ, they are, they are as well. They are just as important as you. And when we bring that to, a, to that line, there's your respect factor. They may not see it that way. But we can, we can humble ourselves and say, Lord, that's your plan. That person's supposed to be there. So I'm going to honor that position. I'm going to respect that person. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to pray, Lord, that they would receive you. I'm going to pray that they become saved. I'm going to pray that one day they wake up and realize what they're doing is not doing a bit of good. And that God, you'll save them. Not so that they'll turn around for the nation, because that's one more soul of the kingdom of God. Right? It would definitely help the nation. Definitely help the nation. But that would, that's not the ultimate we're looking for, right? We're looking to save souls. We're looking for the kingdom of God to be built. And so that's what we need to do, church. We need to learn to respect everyone. And I think right there, that's the first test that's hard enough. Because we live in a world where if you don't respect me, I'm not going to respect you. Right? Our young people, I mean, that's how they live. Show me respect. Well, you're get the old, you have to earn respect, which I, I kind of agree with that. But I am going to show you respect whether it's the first time we meet you or not. That's just how I was raised. You know, if you do me wrong, well, then I'm just not going to have anything to do with you anymore. I mean, I don't have to. I have to love you. I don't have to hang out with you. Right? I have to respect you, but I don't have to go have coffee with you. If you annoy me, love you, buddy, and I'm out. Right? There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, as long as I don't go talk to Tom about how much of a trasher you are. Right? Because then I'm kind of broken thing. So we, we, we need to learn. We, we, we need to know that we need to respect and, and love the family. Um, God has given, I, I'm telling you what, I can't explain it. But, and, I'm, and I know that it will continue to grow as I allow the Holy Spirit to allow it to grow. But the love that I have for, for 
you in this church. I can't even explain it. The love that I have for the church of Christ, the, 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 the believers, is just exploding in my, in my chest. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. It's that agape love, right? That unconditional love. That, that I can look at you and go, yes, you're a knucklehead, but I love you anyway. Right? And you can look at me and do the same thing. Man, that guy's a knucklehead, but I love him anyway. Right? And, and, and we mean it because there's love, there's respect. And so, even Peter takes this to a different side and he goes to the workplace in the closing of this study. He goes to the workplace, right? And, and many of us may have worked under, you know, very difficult situations where you, you can't do this or you can't do that. And, and God, and Peter's basically saying here, you know, no matter what, just, unjust, nice, mean, fair, unfair, what's he say? Do what they tell you. Not only if they are kind and unreasonable, but even if they are cruel. Right? Now, if it gets too much, then you just, hey, you know what, I'm out. I, this isn't respectful at all. I'm, I'm better than the way you're treating me, right? And, and we live in a day now where we're not slaves to the, to the place. I mean, you can give you another job. You know, and you say, well, that's not easier said than done. Well, not so much today. <laughs> but, I mean, you can, give, you can find yourself another job where, you, where you're respected, where the environment's better, and you can be more efficient and beneficial to, to the workplace. But, but, but God is saying, even if you're in that place, God is pleased when you're conscious of him and his will, right? Because during that time, you're patiently enduring that unjust treatment. Remember, we go back to James. We go through difficult times. We always think trials and tribulations. Well, sometimes moments are trials and tribulations, right? And during those moments, we learn to be patient, to endure Right? To grow as a person. Um, of course, he says that. I love how Peter puts this. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. You know, if you're doing something wrong, then you deserve the punishment to which you're getting. Not beaten. But, you know what I'm saying, written up or what have it be. But, but, but if, you do not, if you're suffering that for, for doing good and doing what you're supposed to, then endure it. Because God's got your back. Right? That's what Peter is saying. God is pleased with you. He's got you. And I love how verse 21 says, God, for God called you to do good. Go back to that lighthouse example that I keep going back to. We're a lighthouse. Right? We, we are a light on a hill, the Bible says. And so we need to be that example of Christ because again, that may be the only Jesus somebody ever sees in their life is what your example is. Right? And so he, he gives us a great example of Christ and who's never sinned. He never deceived anybody. Uh, he didn't retaliate when he was insulted. Well, I failed there, I'll tell you that. If somebody talks trash to me, I, I tell you what, it, I want to just tear right back into him. Right? But Christ didn't do that. Right? He didn't threat revenge when he suffered. What did he do? It says he left his case in God's hands. And God, who always judges fairly, took care of it. And of course, then he talks about Christ carrying our sin on the cross. And, but it's because of that example today. Again, I, I keep reiterating this. I, and I was even thinking about this on the way to church tonight. So how many times, Lord, am I going to... Am I, am I a broken record here? But the term, the name... If I, if I tell somebody for the first time, as we're talking, I'm a Christian. What's the very first thing that person is going to say? Well, what have I seen this person do lately? What's the actions that I've seen this person do? Because everybody's got their own term of Christian, right? What a Christian does or not supposed to do, and not always is a, a line up with the Word of God, Right? And so when we say we're a Christian, we have to understand that that word is bigger than, than what just rolling off your lips. In fact, why don't we just get rid of the word Christian and put Christ-like? That'll change things. That'll definitely change the way that you walk and talk when you put Christ-like on that name tag rather than just Christian. And I mean no disrespect when I say this, but the word Christian is almost a washed out word anymore. 
It's just a, a byword, for lack of a better word. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, and, and, and listen, you know, not to buy, get off of what our subject is, but, you know, religion plays a big portion of that, right? And I, I do believe that, and that the, the, the Bible is very simple. You can take religion right out of the game when you say, do you have Jesus Christ in your heart? Do you believe he died on the cross? Do you believe he died, rose three days and you're washed by the blood of the Lamb? If you are, you're saved, right? doesn't matter what wall of religion you stand behind. If you've got Christ living in you, and the blood of the Lamb has washed you, and you believe you've accepted Him by faith, you are saved. Right? Uh, we're the ones who complicate that. Jesus made it pretty easy. <laughs> well, not so much, but He made it easy for us to believe in faith, by faith. So, but let us go forth, and, and, and listen, there, I, I don't know, without going into detail, I'm, I'm not going into detail about where we are today in, in the politics of the world. We know where we're at. Each one of us know where we're at. But we also know where we need to stand. And there may be a come a day soon where we're going to have to make a difficult choice to stand upon the values of God that you've never had to stand upon before in this nation. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it could. And so if it does, where are you going to stand? Are you going to shimmy your feet and head that direction so you don't have to deal with the drama and the... And the you know, situation, or are you going to stand strong and say, Lord, guide me, give me wisdom, give me guidance and boldness to stand for you and your word amongst everything else. Not what Tom wants me to do, not what I think I should do, what the word of God tells me to do. Right? That's our last authority. That's, that's our only authority. And so let us become that, right? But let us remain respectful again, as, especially as the church. We can't answer for the world. We can only answer for the church. God has called us to respect the offices that he's put into place. Respect. Right? And pray for them. Right? And so, none of us in here are in that boat or in that dealing with all that stress, you know? So they, they definitely could use our prayers. Right? And maybe that's part of the problem. The church ain't praying for them. Maybe that's why they're making poor decisions. That's a whole different subject. We'll leave that alone. But for us, let us be respectful of everyone. Let us love the believers. Let us fear God and respect the offices that God has put in plan before we were ever here before anyway. Amen? Any comments or, or thoughts? Yes. There's yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And I had the most horrible boss <laughs> that he always asked for two things. I would go, which one you need now? He would say, both of them. So right. I would grab one. I always picked the wrong one. Of course. Big brother. <laughs> and so I got transferred when I moved here. And the boss goes, oh, you got high ratings. I'm like, who did you talk to? <laughs> you know, and it was him. Sure. Sure. Because it got so bad. But um, years, I don't know how many years after I was here, I was at McDonald's. And he told me flat out every break that we got two, ten minutes and we got half an hour. Mm -hmm. Every break, read the Bible. Okay, so that wasn't a big deal. But the conflict that I got from the guys mostly sure. was bad. Sure. But You don't. That somebody else reacts different to it. 
And I think that's what, if, if I could just, and we'll close with this. I think what the Lord is trying to teach us, at least me, in the messages that he's given us, is every minute of every day, remember who you are. And remember whose you are. Because the world's watching. They may not act like they are. But trust me, in a day where fear and chaos is running rampant, they're looking for something with some stability. You're not stable, but the Jesus in you is. And that's what's attracting their attention, right? And so that's why it's so important that we, we, we sometimes travel through because you never know what the end of that goes to, you know, however that will end up. So, all right, well, let's, let's close in prayer tonight. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Again, sometimes it's difficult to, to swallow. Sometimes it challenges us to change the very way that we, that we live, that we breathe, that we walk. But that's, but that's that's the whole point of this journey is to become more like you and less of ourselves. Less of me and more of you is the prayer. And so if we put ourselves to the grind on that, Lord, and we really say, Lord, change us, break us of ourselves, mold us into that which you want us to be, then we, we, we challenge ourselves with your word. And by the guidance and the surrender to the Holy Spirit, we allow those things to happen. God, we pray right now that you would just be within us and change our hearts and our thoughts towards that office, the government offices and the Senate and the Congress. We know what we truly think and this, that, and the other. But God, I pray that we would take perspective, Lord, as Christians, Lord, as our feet are upon the, 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 the cornerstone, as, as the church of God. And Lord, we'd lift them up in prayer. Lord, we pray for their salvation. Lord, we pray for their positions. We pray for them to make wise decisions. Lord, that we would learn to respect each and every person that we come in contact with, even if we don't get respect back. God, I pray that you would just teach us these things. Christ did it, Lord God. I know, Lord, he's our example. So God, give us the power to do it in Jesus' name. God, help give us an agape love and an unconditional love for the believers, for the church, Lord, even though we may be different in so many ways. You are our common. You are our, the, everything that we center around. So give us love for one another. God, I pray that you would continue in my heart to bring fear and reverence to your name, the holy name of God, the Alpha, the Omega. Lord God, we, the, the, we, we honor you, we reverence you, Father. And then in turn, Lord, again, let us respect the offices that you have already put into place, even for this day. And God, I just thank you for your word again. I thank you for these that have been in this study. I pray it blesses us. And challenges us, let us apply this to our life to become more like you and more Christ-like. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. God bless.